everyone. Welcome back to another Parallel Barking. This is Ariana, and I'm here with... Larry, Larry Backer, woof woof. Bark, Welcome bark. back. We're talking today, finally, it's it's been at least five weeks of this, um, about the protests that have been ongoing in Iran. Um they were sparked based on a, a the death of a 22-year-old woman who um Masa Amini um she died in a hospital 3 days after being arrested in Tehran uh by the state's morality police um known as guidance patrols and the reason she was detained or arrested was because um, her her headscarf or her hijab was um, too loose. She showed too much hair underneath the headscarf. And so, of course, that sparked um, a lot of anger and um, unrest among especially the young women living in Iran who feel that the uh, rules um, being observed right now are, are too strenuous and, and too strict. So many are roaming the streets without hijab or with the hijab on their hands you know, waving them in the air, um, taking it upon themselves, you know, risking, risking their own safety, um, cutting their own hair, um, taking to social media, burning their own hijab. Um, they've swept through, the protests have swept through more than 40 Iranian cities. And now I think they, they've stabilized in 19 cities. Um, but um, as I think we mostly are aware, Iran is not a stranger to protests. Well, what country nowadays is a stranger to protests? Right. I mean, even the Chinese had a little mini protest in Beijing a couple of days before the 20th Party Congress, which was quite a, an eyebrow-raising event in a country where certainly around the, the Party Congresses that would have been unheard of. So, yeah, protests. Yeah, and, and the, the January 6th, I, I don't know if I'd call that protest. Well, whatever you call it is going to be a loaded term, the events of January 6th, and then we can leave other people to fill in however they want to characterize it. Right. Right. But this one is very interesting for a number of reasons. I mean, it's it's a hugely, hugely interesting and complicated um, matter now. And, and one that's become quite serious. I was in London when the protests started uh, all over Europe. So we're not really dealing with um, just protests within Iran. Uh, this has struck a chord and it struck a chord not just in the country, for a variety of reasons that we're going to get to, I think, hopefully. But it struck a chord internationally, uh, especially 
uh, around gender politics, around ethnic politics, and about, in a sense, about the nature and quality of the control of the state of individuals and the way in which it is uh, it is undertaken on the bodies, especially on the bodies in this case of women. Uh, it's 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 a uh, it's an incredibly interesting um, thing. But something else has gone on. The 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 protests have been much. I think it, it's we're we're going to talk to this in a second. It's much broader than than I think even you've intimated. Uh, but it's also now morphed. Uh, and what was it today? I guess uh, there was a little bit of a fire. Yes, at the Evan prison, there was a fire and shots, gun gunshots, of course, um, at the prison where political prisoners and anti-government activists are kept. And foreigners. Oh, yes. Well, and dual citizenship, you know, everyone um, <clears throat> are kept. Um, and the... IRNA, the state-run um, IRNA, reported that the clashes were between the rioters and the um, security official personnel. Um, oh, sure, sure. I mean, official stories are official stories, and you'd hope to God that their propaganda ministry would be on the ball enough to concoct some kind of story that would be plausibly acceptable. Uh, that's a given. Yeah. Uh, the the question really is then what's lying underneath these stories, and it's the same everywhere, with respect to the way in which press organs are managed to produce both the orthodox uh, uh, narrative of power and then the other uh, narratives that that occur. Yeah, the official uh, statement was that a prisoners set fire to a warehouse full of prison uniforms. Cool. Like, Called well, a blaze, you know, a style. Um, no yeah, one wears that. That's a very mad one. Yeah. So, what do you think of all of this? Yay, nay. It's going somewhere. It's not going somewhere. It's a tragedy. It's interesting. Uh, I, I want it so badly to go somewhere. I really do. And by somewhere, you mean where? I want, of course, rights to be expanded for everyone, for women. I want I want people to be able to have the independence that they deserve and um, that they desire and that they fight for so desperately. I, I... So you're very sympathetic. I want that for these people, but I I also realize the reality of the situation, which is protests like these have been squashed since 1979, and I'm before that. Oh sure, sure. Before it was the um, uh, the imperial machinery that. Uh... The, the Shah's machinery that did it, and then it was the uh, the Mullah's machinery that did it. Power is power uh, by whatever trappings you you clothe it in and whatever ideology is being pushed as well. And, and we have, you know, volunteers in the the Basij who is, you know, the, the force, the 
mobilized force that comes in and actually um, helps to oppress the the protesters because they have been trained to do that. Yeah, yeah. No, all of this is true, but let's fine tune the analysis. I think, and and I am I am very sympathetic to uh, not just the women, uh, but to the the men and boys uh, and the girls, all of whom. This is this is a broad movement, and then um, which it is a broad movement against, but against what? That's really but it the has, question. It, but it has changed over the years, noting that. Um, the state has had to deal with social media in recent years, cutting off the um, I mean, whatever connection that people have to the internet or trying to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I don't know yeah. how how much success they'll have in the future of doing that but then again it also has (laughs) i was also reading about um the human rights watch and their stance on a few of these things and um i'm sure you have something to say about that but i also (laughs) love these things maybe (laughs) that um, I mean well you can go ahead go ahead no no I just want to tease it out a little bit so here's and and you know me I I prefer to tease things out what looks like a a fairly singular black and white picture um, I think becomes more interesting when you add a little bit of color to it, and this one is is no different. And in fact, this is quite interesting. And again, let me start by saying that in this case, uh, my sympathies are with the the protesters. But the grand, the more granular analysis will will make it a little bit more nuanced. So here we start with this. First question is what what was the initial eruption? And the initial eruptions can be looked at from a variety of different perspectives. One of them is, and you've suggested virtually all of them. I just want to reframe them so that we can then begin to think about how all of these are kind of woven together into a even bigger synergistic explosion. One of them is we're we're weaving in, like you said, protests. Uh, that had not gone very far, and but the accumulated frustrations of which have remained unsatisfied since 1979, a lot of it dealing with uh, the inability of people to um, meet the needs of their family, the economy, uh, and general malaise uh, exacerbated by sanctions. Exacerbated. Well, yeah, all of the the, right, right. the, right. the protests have been for different reasons. I mean, right, 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 right. No, but that's fuel. That's fuel. I'm not right. saying it's the reason I'm saying these are, you know, this is fuel. The other one is question of is it, uh, is it a headscarf protest initially, or was it a protest about? the absolute abuse of discretion by the morality police. That is, you have these crazy dudes going around and deciding for themselves 
what is or isn't, oh my God, you've got two strands of hair uh, out that's too much. And then you go to another town and it's a little different. And there's a, a sense of both arbitrariness and impunity and all grounded in the people with the club. Well, isn't that always what it is? It, it's that little yeah, but, it's that little spark that leads leads you. Wave. Oh, you messed up. But oh, what are you yeah. even here for in the first place? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me just untangle these. And then the okay, question okay. is, which, right, because what I'm suggesting is there's all kinds of different carrot. There are all kinds of different propellants here. There's wood, there's gasoline, there's atomic fuel, there's all right. kinds of stuff lying around, but all of it now exploding at roughly the same time. So right. one of them is this old stuff that comes in. The other one is, uh, is it, in fact, the corruption uh, and, uh, and arbitrariness, the abuse of discretion on the ground with these, with these people. Third is, even if you don't mind the rules because you're very devout and you're more than happy to be guided by the mullahs, and you sense that there may be a, a, a place for the morality police, right? You, you may do, you may uh, believe all of that. The question, the question then is, are they really interpreting this correctly, right? And so you've got the impunity, you've got, um, and not just doing it correctly, but in this case, even worse, that in fact, the misinterpretation, which is structural, not just crazy people, not just, you know, guys on the street who are club happy and who love beating up defenseless women because they're big guys who've got nothing else to do and we can go into their psychology later. But that leads to, to the next little granular, which is, these guys don't like women. Or do that they even want anything of, interpreted for them at all anymore? It's, it's, no, no, no. It's, it's more fundamental than that. It's the idea of dehumanizing the female. No, which I, is, I understand which what is you're saying. Way, but, but, but this is, no, it's, it's deeper than that. It's fundamentally un-Islamic. And so now all of a sudden, what makes this infuriating is that even if you're religious, the way in which they are... Um, applying the rules beyond the impunity, the anti-feminist way in which they're applying it is in fact itself un-Islamic and heretical and likely uh, a matter of significant concern to religious people who are looking at this and saying, well, you've now perverted our own religion that we believe in very deeply. So here you've got this conflation of misogyny, anti-feminism, the objectification of women, and in the context of Islamic theory and Islamic jurisprudence, you may actually have a corruption of the faith. So we're moving in, in, you know, and each of these will trigger different segments of the population, perhaps in different ways. And then the last element in all of this is the ethnic element, Kurds, right? And I believe that the, the initial victim was uh, a woman from the Kurdish part of Iran at some point, the Iranian uh, the Iranian state apparatus decided that this was some kind of action by the rest of Kurdish populations to uh, to destabilize the country, and then moved against uh, Kurdish minorities. I think another woman who was beaten to a pulp and killed was an Azeri woman, um, and so you've got little bits of of ethnic chauvinism here which you mix in. So this is an extraordinary cocktail 
you mix ethnic chauvinism uh, with uh, potentially un-Islamic action by the core of an Islamic disciplinary unit. You mix that in with uh, impunity on the part of a morality police whose ties to a, a faithful observation of the faith and the rules are questionable at best, right? And then on top of that, you pile all of this on a huge pyre of grievances that have been building up for 20 or 30 years, and all you have to do is strike a match, and that match was lit by those clubs beating these poor young women uh, to a pulp, and then boom. And so there's all kinds of things going on here mixed up in this porridge of unhappiness. Uh, and, and as in most large organizations, the, the uh, higher-ups, in this case, the, the theocratic overlords of Iran, are not only clueless because they're so distanced from what's going on on the ground, or they may, yeah, they may actually believe all of this, which is, for the Iranians, much more problematic, um, they may be not only clueless, but they may be so detached from all of this uh, generationally that they have absolutely no finger on the pulse of what is going on in their own country today. And that is something that is an affliction that is occurring in virtually every state on the globe. Yeah, I mean, are you... <laughs> Are you guessing or are you stating the obvious? I mean, because I think that's well, actually I'm what's stating happening. the obvious, you know, the you know, whether I can't get into anyone's head, and certainly being able to get into anyone's head in this region is well above my pay grade. But this seems to be screaming out from even the little bit of news reports that come out. So in in that context, right, if if you really wanted to support the regime, you've got a moment. This is, I mean, all countries are, are at this point now, in a sense, you've got this moment of truth. Because if you mean to keep this theocratic system headed by these, uh, the mullahs, right, and the, the mullah structure, and then at, you have to stop and ask yourself, have we made a mess of this? Have we become an un-Islamic caricature of the thing that we thought we were putting in place when we got rid of the Shah? Have we become nothing more than the Shah except using Quranic words uh, heretically, using Quranic words heretically to mask our own uh, kind of un-Islamic oppression? But and, see, in this, in this form of government, who is allowed to question? Well, but that's the problem. Ultimately, at some point, if you are a believer, at some point, the hand of God is going to come down very hard on these folks who, while they clothe themselves in the raiments of religious leaders, uh, are actually despising uh, the religion itself. And at some point, they're going to, you know, they're going to have to pay. Uh, and it won't be humans who will be exacting the price. If you, you know, again, if you're in this and that's the discourse you're looking at, that's what you're looking at. If you're looking at it from a real politic standpoint, if you're looking at it from the perspective of uh, of the dignity of women, if you're looking at it from ethnopolitics, in all of those cases, we got to the same inflection point. They've really crossed a line here after crossing many lines and in a context where they've given nothing but they've taken everything. People are hungrier, poorer. Um, their lives are much less rich than they were. That's not a bargain that a state can make with its people for very long before people 
get upset and wind up on the street as they have here. Yeah, I mean, you made a really good point about the the authorities or the higher ups being way out of touch. I mean, of all the things that you could be deciding to enforce right now, uh, of all the things that you're spending your time on, it's it's enforcing dress code for. Well, but that's it. Look, it's, that's important in the culture. But again, there's ways of enforcing it and ways of not enforcing it. There are ways of being helpful and ways of, of using it as, as an excuse for brutality. And the problem is here that whatever one thinks of uh, modest dress in, uh, in Iran in particular and in Islam in general, uh, none of that, all of that falls away in the face of batons beating the the, the stuffing yeah, the out of threat young of women. Yeah, the threat of lethal state right. violence and arbitrary right. in, arrest in a context is, is worse, better... worse in a context in which they weren't blatantly violating the rules we're talking about in most of these cases what the morality police thought were marginal violations which for them might as well have been them walking down the streets naked and that strikes people as fundamentally it was, yeah especially because unfair. these people are volunteers i mean a lot of times the people who like i mean not the morality police but the people who are um helping to take in the protesters or volunteers like how 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 are you i don't know the the this is all just very confusing to me well that's that's uh, allowing the mob or a certain faction of the mob to continue to rule but again impunity which is guaranteed by the apparatus of state uh, and all of this is going to eventually make people very, very mad. Not because. What do you mean, mad. eventually? I feel yeah, like yeah, people no, no, are but, very mad. But mad enough, mad enough to overthrow a state that had been fairly stable, even if people were were complaining about it. the The thing is, you reach a point here, and it's the it's the arbitrariness and the unfairness, uh, and the serendipity of the way in which it's being uh, used, and ultimately. It's this is classical definitions of tyrannical uh, exercises of authority. Uh, people will put up with that uh, in inverse proportion to how well fed and entertained they are. And in this case, the Iranians are suffering. And on top of that, they get brutality. And it just it's it is the perfect and it's ethno. It's not just religious, uh, but it's ethno gendered. Uh, violations and now it's ethno-gendered violations on the the least able to defend themselves given the norms of the society group of the population uh, and I'm not talking about women in their prime who are they beating up they're beating up 20 something uh, you know uh, females who are now just uh, maturing into to womanhood they're not exactly able to defend themselves but they're someone's sister, they're someone's daughter, they're part of someone's family and clan. And that kind of impunity, when the violation is marginal, is, is extraordinary. And that's ultimately at the root of this as well. It's not just the misogyny, but the complete disproportion between 
oh yeah, fix your uh, hijab, as opposed to, oh, there's a hair out of place and now I'm going to beat you to death with a baton and then lie and claim that you had a heart attack. Well, of course you had a heart attack. If I beat you long enough, your heart's going to stop. So I guess technically you did. That is technically, yes. Yeah, technically correct. You can technically say whatever the hell you want. Right, right. At that point, people are just... um, because you're not dealing with uh, enemies of the state. You're not dealing with people who are actually trying. And what they wind up getting is exactly what they wanted to prevent. Now all women have said, all right, we've put up with this. We may have grumbled, but we'll do it. We all go out. We all wear the stuff. But clearly that's not enough. We can't even feel safe when we're trying to do that. So you know what? No, no. And at that point, everything else comes up too. Oh, and on top of that, we can't get our jobs are going. I can't keep my shop open. I can't protect my my sons now. Made uh, their their wives maybe you know blah 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 blah. And it it just it's boom, boom, boom. And of course, people who live this is all over the world. Uh, I I wrote an essay about this in in two thousand and eight. I call it the Versailles Topkapi Palace uh, Forbidden City Complex. Um, people who tend to rule and to tend to detach themselves from their populations who live in in kind of these abstract abstracted Versailles, these complexes and within this this group that they only talk to each other, at some point they're going to so lose connection to the people that they're going to rule that their rule is necessarily going to start looking not only psychotically disconnected, uh, but ultimately, so rigidly arbitrary that a space will be created for them to be swept aside. And that's the danger. And this is a danger of the mullahs on creation. And they've got only themselves to blame here. I mean, I have I have think that most of them know that, but are willing to accept it because the the spoils are so great for that short amount of time. It's possible. It's possible. Again, we can't. The problem is that we can't get into their heads. Who knows? And we certainly aren't attuned enough or sophisticated enough to get into whatever cultural narratives they now naturalized within their own heads. And we certainly can't get into the very nuanced politics in Iran. This is an ancient, ancient culture uh, with narratives, trajectories and and performances of cultures that go back to the first empire, echoes of which continue to resonate. So we can't get into all of that. We know it's there and we can kind of see it, but um, we can't get into all, we, we, we don't know enough and we certainly can't get into people's heads, but we do see that the stuff that is transposable is fairly obvious and, and clear and in a world that is far more interconnected. It's not only about whether they are acting out, you know, the the politics, the cultural, gender, and religious politics of the Safavid dynasty. Uh, it's now done in a very interconnected and global world where narratives are no longer so parochial that you can continue to do whatever you want and assume that uh, either no one else is watching or that people inside have no clue about what's going on outside. It's just not true. And with the huge Iranian diaspora, all over the place, mm-hmm. that becomes even more impossible. And so that's ultimately the problem. So the mullahs cannot create an Iran 
a farce empire that whose borders are you know extend to the to the highest level of the sky and that can create this zone this cone of separation you can't do this uh and that makes whatever it is that they're doing that becomes aberrational beyond tolerable limits impossible to contain given all of these interconnections and the the these riots, these notions, the mobilization of global civil society uh, has been enormous and swift, like I said, not just in London, but everywhere. And that is likely not to stop because it's it's striking chords that resonate virtually everywhere. Uh, Chinese women will be uh, committed Marxist-Leninist Chinese women are likely not to be as fond of getting beaten up for minor infractions of the rules as our American women, uh, as our Iranian women, clearly. Uh, and so this is, and the, the point there is the resonance. Uh, and that that puts the Iranians, I think, the, the leadership in a bind, but you're absolutely right. One, they may see it and uh, misvalue it, say, eh, who cares? We've prevailed before, we're gonna prevail now. Or two, eh, it's only women. At some point, the men will come to their senses and we can continue beating up random women uh, and maintain this thing for whatever other reasons we want to do it. I mean, they, they may view this or, or they may be completely, completely living in a world uh, in, in, in their Zuckerberg-like metaverse, mm. in which, you know, they believe the reality is the, the avatars that they've created of themselves in their little palaces. Uh, where in, they think they're winning? Well, where they, they live in a different universe from us or from the rest of Iran. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I cannot emphasize enough both the gendered part of this, but also the ethnic part of this. Uh, that is that will leave scars that uh, are going to be very, very, very hard to um, to disappear. Yeah, I mean, and and the the ethnic part is is that specifically, and the gender part is that specifically state driven or is that is that individually driven by by oh, you know bias or it's a cocktail it's a cocktail um and mostly because the it's this empire is in a sense much more in in modern american terms uh woke and social justice in terms of equal opportunity than than ours but in in weirdly dynamic ways uh, weird from our perspective. It's, you know, folks, um, uh, ethnic groups have been in and out of the uh, the Persian Empire for, what, several thousand years, in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, the, the waves of power relationships have been very much in flux, but they're all connected in a lot of ways. And but they're also separate and things tend to be dynamic. So the way that will play out will be very, very specific and probably quite different among the different groups, the Azeris, the Kurds, uh, and and others will likely play in different way. And, and once you hit the K word, the Kurds, it gets horribly, horribly complicated because 
in addition to the continued efforts to create some kind of Kurdistan, maybe even a rump Kurdistan like they did with the Armenians uh, somewhere out of northern Iran, Iraq, greater Kurdistan uh, implicates the politics of Turkey uh, and the politics of Syria and the politics of, uh, of Iran. And then that gets crazy. So a beating of a woman here, a young woman, really it was a it, the wrong thing to do at precisely the wrong time by people who should have been severely punished for their um, their actions. It's not just lit this all. It was just a series of terrible, terribly not wrong just, things. Just lit it all up. Yeah. On the other hand, this may well have been the time the right for thing. Iranian, yeah, for Iranian society to have that kind of chat about what it means uh, to treat all of all Muslims, uh, all know, people, right, female and male, um, in in more um, appropriate ways. ways. How about that? Yeah, so so there you go, all kinds of conversations going on. But um, I suspect that the violence is not going to end very soon. And I suspect that even if they're momentarily able to suppress this, this is not going away. And people are going to remember. And to the extent that they're able to suppress this and they continue beating to death young women on uh, what for most people will begin to look like pretext. Uh, it's it's only postponing. Yeah, even school age children have been arrested. I mean, um, <clears throat> according to Oslo, an Oslo-based group, the um, Iran Human Rights, they estimate about two hundred and one people have been killed. Right. So far. Right, right, right. Oh, and of course, the elephant in the room. And, and I'll end, this will be the last thing I'm going to say about this, this tragedy. The elephant in the room is Afghanistan and the Taliban. Yes. Right? We, we have a conversation about this in Iran, and this becomes a weighty matter. Uh, but <laughs> uh, Iran is not the only country with um, gender issues. Uh, Islamic and non-Islamic gender issues and the conversations that are that are being had with the blood of the Iranian people are conversations that um, would have to spill over generally across this area. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we can note, but it must be undertaken by the people there, religious leaders, civil leaders, men, women, families, that society will have to decide to live with it, not live with it, expect it or not. And then you'll expect people who, in an interconnected world, who find this to be not very good, um, are going to migrate. And yeah. that's the last little bit. Because yeah. ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to get continued migration. If, if where you migrate, opens its doors if where you if right if where you migrate opens the stores and remember because there is a vast network of iranian diaspora the door uh opening is now a little bit easier to manage 
uh, than if you're going to a place that where the Iranian diaspora is not there. So mm. uh, not easy, but not as hard as it was, you know, and, and frankly, um, even if I were a devout um, Shia Muslim in Iran right now, and I had a 20-year-old daughter, I would be seriously considering um, parking her somewhere else, even if it's just her Other areas yeah. of the world. Yeah. yeah, whatever my belief is, you know, I want to be able to dance at her wedding. Uh, and the risk is just now the risk of arbitrary because you can't control, you can control for things you can't control. You can control, but you can't control for this arbitrary stuff. You can't control this other impunity, people. And that's what is in part driving people to the streets. I mean, yeah, exactly. But anyway, woof, woof. Bark, bark. Thanks, everyone. We appreciate you joining us again, and we'll see you next time.